Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 290. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening and thank you once again for downloading. And you first-time listeners, well, we're glad you found us and we hope you enjoy the show and become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Crown Plaza installs Tesla charges across Australia in all its hotels. Samsung has unveiled its new QLED TVs that can blend into the wall and how Australians are embracing robotics to get out of doing the housework. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the Samsung Galaxy S9. It goes on sale this week. We road test the Cocoon Create 3D printer. That's less than 500 bucks and the Acer Spin Convertible Laptop. And we're going to finish it off with the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A massive show for you, so let's jump straight in. Well, uh, I think people know I'm a bit of a fan of Tesla. I've driven the car a few times. I, I do appreciate the technology on board. I've, I've said it before. I think Tesla are doing to cars what Apple did to the phone. They're bringing all this cool technology and showing the possibilities. And, uh, I, again, I'm a big fan of the car, love driving it, and have done a, a couple of times, including a destination drive that I did late last year, I went up to the Hunter Valley and drove a Model X. And the purpose of that trip was to prove, yeah, you can travel and you can not have battery anxiety. There are plenty of charges around the place. But the number of charges has just increased thanks to Crown Plaza. Now, they're part of the Intercontinental Hotels Group, IHG for short. Crown Plaza has become the first hotel network to install Tesla destination charges at all of its hotels across Australia and in New Zealand. So this gives Tesla drivers a little bit of peace of mind that they can now travel through New South Wales, ACT, Victoria, Queensland, Western Australia and also New Zealand and have the peace of mind of knowing that there is a destination charger there and they can either use it when they're staying overnight at the hotel or when they're using the facilities of the hotel, maybe attending an event, paying to park there. Uh, in fact, I did that very thing. The last time I had the Tesla was in February, and I wanted to have lunch in Coogee, and I looked on an app and saw that there were some charges at the Crown Plaza in Coogee, 
and I decided, yep, well, I'm going to pay to park, and it's $5 an hour, but in that two hours that I was going to be spending there to have lunch, I was going to top up the battery. And there we go. cost me $10. In fact, actually, it didn't cost me $10 because I went to pay. I went to pay before the end of the second hour, so I wouldn't have to pay a third hour. And the guy said, oh, no, mate, you're okay. And he actually let me park for free, which was even better. But I did find that I went back down to the car and in the space next to me, the the other spot for an electric vehicle, there was just a regular car that was parked there. There was uh, so if you if you did drive down there with a Tesla or another electric car wanting a charge, you'd be very disappointed that someone had just taken the spot. Uh, I think the spot probably needs to be marked a little better, maybe uh, like a big red red colouring or stripes and something. You know, electric vehicle parking only. Uh, so it allows you, for drivers who need a charge, uh, it allows them to have those spots. And, and that, that's kind of, when you look at it, it's kind of a, a bit of a privilege to, to, to know that there are reserved spots just for your type of vehicle. No other type of vehicle has that. Uh, the only other thing I can think of is if you're a handicapped driver, you've got handicapped spots. Not that I'm saying that electric vehicle drivers deserve spots the similar way that handicapped people do, but it, they are singled out. Electric vehicle drivers are singled out with these charges to know that these spots are just for them. So great if you can find the spot. Not so good if someone just inadvertently parks in the spot. I'm pretty sure that someone didn't see the sign on the wall. Uh, the spot looked like any other spot. There, there was a sign on the wall that was pretty clear, but how easy is it just to drive into an empty spot? You, th- you see an empty parking spot, you think, great. Uh, and you dive into it. Uh, this person didn't realise it was it was for electric cars only. Plenty of other spots that I've seen for electric vehicles are clearly marked in that way, and very rarely have I seen non-electric vehicles parked in them. Well, Crown Plaza uh, uh, come, have come to the party for Tesla drivers, and they can plug in, and on average... They can deliver these charges at the Crown Plazas can deliver between 40 kilometres and 80 kilometres of range per hour, depending on the output of that charger. Uh, so if you're leaving, if you're staying overnight and you happen to be in one of the spots, then you're going to easily have a, a complete charge once you wake up the next morning. Uh, Crown Plaza, their motivation behind this, their decision to take the initiative to install these destination charges is, in their words, they wanted to stay at the forefront of the sustainability conversation. So we, but they also wanted to recognise the fact that there are travellers who are increasingly looking for ways to lower their carbon footprint. I'm sure you've heard of the ability to offset your carbon if you're flying. You pay a certain amount of money, it offsets carbon in another way. Well, here's another way of doing that if you do want to lower your carbon footprint. And, and Crown Plaza are saying that uh, a lot of these charges are powered by uh, the 100% green power, so from solar panels and all this sort of stuff. So you've got zero emissions charging. Because that's another point people make, that you plug into a, a an outlet, where's that electricity coming from? If it's coming from a coal fire power plant, then you're, that's not carbon-free. That's not zero emissions production of that electricity. But if it is coming from green power, then it is 100% zero emissions. It's just also very handy if you're a Tesla driver, knowing that if you're driving uh, to a, a fair distance, knowing that there are places you can go. That's one thing that surprised me about driving up to the Hunter Valley was to attend a Midnight Oil concert. They played at Hope Estate. 
and I was so surprised the number of destination charges at all the wineries uh, up through the Hunter Valley. It was incredible, the number of charges. And there was actually one at the Crown Plaza Hunter Valley where I played golf one morning, and uh, there was a charger there, but the charger was only open to charge certain customers who had a card that were part of the club to a member of this organization to unlock the charger. So I had to then drive up to, I think it was Peterson's Winery up the road, and they had three chargers there. So I just parked the car there for an hour and a half and, and topped it up. But uh, if you are traveling around Australia and in New Ze- or in New Zealand, you know that if there's a Crown Plaza on your route, you can either stay there and get a charge, pop in and get a charge. Maybe you'll have to pay a little fee for parking. Uh, if you're attending the event there, then uh, you might say, for example, be going to a wedding there. You might be able to park in one of the spots while you're at the wedding, get a top-up, and you're on your way. You, you'll know that you're ready to hit the road uh, with, with, more, with more power in the battery. Great news if you're a Tesla driver. Good news from Crown Plaza who are looking after Tesla drivers and really look into the future to give drivers of all kinds of uh, electric vehicles too. It's Tesla aren't the only cars that can use those chargers. There are others on the market and there will be others on the market. We also wrote about the Jaguar I-Pace which will be coming out at the, at the end of 2018. That's Jaguar's first fully electric uh, SUV which will also be compatible with those similar types of plugs as well. That story is also on Tech Guide. But if you want to read more about Crown Plaza, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Samsung last week in New York unveiled their 2018 range of QLED TVs. Now, it was, it was really interesting this year with Samsung because normally the TVs are very thoroughly outlined at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. It's every January, CES, Samsung normally dominate with not only the biggest press conference, but also the biggest booth. Their, their booth is big enough, so big, it should have its own postcode uh, at CES. It is huge. And normally it's wall-to-wall televisions where you're seeing Series 8, Series 9, Series 6, series all the, all the Series TVs, all the different shapes and sizes, and on display for not only the media, but also for the buyers and for the, the their customers. Their customers are the stores that come through, the JB Hi-Fi's, Harvey Norman's, good guys of the world. They come through and see all the TVs. This year, they were conspicuous by their absence. The story this year was not about the size and, and quality of a TV. The story this year was about how all these products can, can form this amazing ecosystem and talk to each other and give you a smart home and do all that sort of stuff. So the story wasn't on how much better Samsung's picture quality has become. It was more about that whole spread of smarts across their range of products including the TV, but they weren't on the stand for us to look at individually. Well, in New York last week, Samsung had an event to reveal the range of QLED LED TVs. That's their flagship TVs, QLED. Also, they had their expanded lineup of UHD, premium UHD, as well as a lot of ultra-large televisions as well. Now, the event really, the thing that we took out of it, a couple of things, but the first one was the fact that bigger is better. 
were going for bigger screen TVs. Uh, 65 inches becoming the new normal for customers. They're, they're looking at going bigger with their, with their televisions. And I think customers will agree, even people, you listening to this podcast, if you've invested in a large screen TV, you're probably thinking, well, there's no turning back now. If you're used to a 65-inch TV or perhaps a bigger TV, you're not looking to get a smaller TV next time. You're already in. You've already drunk the Kool-Aid. You're you've, you're convinced big is better. So I think that that's the sort of message we're getting from Australian customers is they are looking for larger screen TVs, and companies are responding. Samsung included. They're looking at uh, moving 65 and 75-inch TVs are going to be the new normal, as well as other TVs up in the. Uh, I think. They're going to have an 88-inch TV, uh, plenty of other options for going bigger. Uh, So expect that, apart from just the sheer size of the TVs and the beautiful design of the TVs too. I think they've come a long way, really thin bezels. They actually look quite nice in your home. So I've always said over the years that TVs needed to have what I call the WAF, which is the wife approval factor. Uh, any husband will walk into a, 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 a store and say, wow, this footy would look great on that 65-inch TV, whereas the the partner would say, well, yeah, that looks pretty nice. I wouldn't mind that looking good in my home. But there is another feature that's going to increase the that wife approval factor or partner approval factor, if you want me to be politically correct there. Uh, I think that... This other feature is really going to get it over the line even further, uh, and that is a new feature called ambient mode. Now, what what that means is that when when we're watching TV, that's all fine. We're watching TV. There's there's movie, TV show, whatever we happen to be watching is on the screen. But what happens when this when we're not watching TV? Is it just a big ugly black rectangle hanging on the wall or sitting on our entertainment unit? Well, with ambient mode, it's not. It can actually display information. So it's in this very low power mode so that it turns into an information hub. So you can see traffic traffic reports, news, weather, sports updates. So it becomes this like a ticker on the uh, of information for you to just at a glance to see, oh, it's about going to rain in an hour or, oh, geez, the traffic's bad. I, I should delay my, my drive. But the other, the other really cool part of ambient mode is that it can actually blend into the wall. So how does it do this? Well, it detects the color or pattern of the wall where it's located. So if it's mounted on a wall or just sitting in front of a wall, it'll look back and see, right, that's a brick wall I'm sitting against or it's a beige wall or it's a red wall or green wall. Whatever it happens to be, it can actually take that information of where it's located and match it on the screen. So it kind of makes the screen look transparent. So rather than that plain black rectangle, it's like it's blending into the wall. So if you've got a green wall, for example, the screen will match the color of the wall. It'll be green as well. So it becomes almost invisible on the wall. If you've got a brick wall, there's a great picture on my story on Tech Guide of it blending into brick walls. It actually imitates the brick it's sitting in front of. Really, really interesting. So yet another feature for people to think, well, what else can our TV do? Well, that's that's another feature. No doubt, of course, picture quality is going to be superb with the QLED TV. It's got one invisible connection to one cord that connects TV to power, all the sources, and the internet as well. 
and this is the first singular cable in the TV industry that can transmit audio, video, at the speed of light, no doubt, and also transmit power all in one really thin cord. That's why they're calling it the invisible cord. It's actually made of Teflon as well, so it can resist the heat, so it's not going to overheat at all. Setup of the TV is even easier as well. There's a new feature called Effortless Login, where you can set up your new Samsung TV, as well as all your Wi-Fi connections, Netflix accounts, Stan accounts, all by logging in using your phone. Now, your phone normally knows all your accounts, your Wi-Fi passwords, your account passwords, and it simply transfers that information to the phone. So it makes a connection to the phone, transmits all those passwords and everything, all that other information to the television, so it can be up and running within minutes. So rather than having to try to remember to get the passwords for the Wi-Fi and Netflix and everything else, it can take it off your phone. Really, really smart, smart new feature right there. The complete 2018 Samsung TV lineup, there's going to be more than 11 models across QLED, Premium UHD, UHD, and the ultra-large screen range as well. Uh, you're going to see them, at the, they're going to be available in April. Pricing yet to be announced, again, depending on the size, you're looking at from 43-inch all the way up to 75, 88, all those big sizes, QLED, Premium UHD, UHD as well. Keep an eye out for those. They'll be available in April. Pricing will be announced at that time, uh, but stand by for a review on Tech Guide in the coming weeks. If you want to see that those features and the, that TV blending into the wall, you know where to go, techguide.com.au. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, there's one thing that's for certain, and that is that robots and robotics are really going to play a larger part in our lives in the future. And we've already got them in our homes already. When you think about products like robotic vacuum cleaners, for example, they can motor around your home and, and do, uh, do the vacuuming. Uh, in the case of the Ecovacs, uh, their, their Osmo 930, which I have reviewed on Tech Guide, by the way, it can not only do the carpets, it can also mop the floor. There's a little water reservoir, so you can change the, the little cloth on the bottom and it can mop the floors as well as vacuuming your carpet. Now, Ecovacs had a little event where they talked about where the industry's going in terms of robotics and how Australians are figuring into that, whether they're embracing it, whether they're not. Well, the short answer is Australians are embracing it. Uh, even our busier lifestyles, the majority of Australians, 64% that is, are open to robotic products cleaning our homes. And that's an even higher number, 74% among 30 to 39-year-olds. So you think about it, sure, we don't want, who likes cleaning? Who likes vacuuming? Who likes mopping? Let's get a robot to do it. And that's exactly what we're doing. They did show some stats to show that robotic clean robotic vacuums and cordless stick vacuums were the two biggest growing areas of the floor floor cleaning category 
and robotics on that side is the reason that we're doing it is that we want to use that time to do other things. Ecovacs had a really clever event where they had all these things, these different stations playing games, decorating donuts, artwork, because here are the things you could do instead of vacuuming your carpet the Ecovax uh, Osmo could do that for you, and then you can have time to do other things. And that's another part of their study that, that showed that more than half of Australians, they want to achieve that work-life balance. They want more than they want more time to spend with their families or doing something that they have never had time to do, like learn a language or do a course or something that they haven't usually had time to do because they've got to do the housework or other chores. Uh, you know, Australians, are, they, they hate cleaning their homes but are still stressed if they come home to a dirty house. So there is that need, but if a robot can do it, then they're going to say, show me the money. I'm, they're, they're happy to take on the robotic product. And Ecovacs naturally are very excited about those prospects of, and, and the growth potential uh, in the future for their products, knowing that Australians are on board to let a robot clean their house. And already, and I've, again, I've reviewed the Osmo 930 Brilliant, brilliant robotic vacuum cleaner. It maps your home using sensors. You can see through the app the floor plan of your house, where it's been. You can even distinguish the different surfaces that it's been across. Uh, it, it, it is a really smart product. can be controlled now with your voice using Google Home, Alexa. You can control it through the app. You can tell it to go to certain rooms. You can tell it to go back to the charger. Really handy product. Not the only product in the range. They did announce some others, the Osmo 610, which is the, well under a thousand bucks. It's eight ninety nine. Has all the features of the nine thirty, but it's it, it'll just do the hard floors. So optimized for that. Can't mop, but can do everything else. The other product they got is the Dbot R ninety eight, which combines both a robotic vacuum cleaner and a stick vacuum cleaner, cordless hand vacuum. So you got the robot to do the uh, the main parts. You got the stick to do the corners and the other out of out of uh, reach places. They also showcase their Winbot. Uh, I spoke about this earlier in the year. I did see it at CES. This is their window cleaning robot and another area that they can take off your hands to clean. Cleaning windows, you can you need the squeegee. It's a bit of work. Well, imagine a robot doing it for you and doing probably a better job than you. So you can throw out the squeegee as well because the Winbot can come to the rescue. One other little interesting thing that they spoke about too was a future product, a robotic air purifier. Now, you think about it. At first, I thought... Why the hell would you need a robotic air purifier? It just sits there and purifies the air. Well, their answer to that question was no. You, you, how it would work would it be? It'd be on wheels, so it could wheel itself. It could detect where it needs air purification. So, say for example, you're cooking dinner. It can then roll across into the kitchen, sit near the kitchen, purify that air, so there's no cooking smells left around. And you can maybe program it, okay, saying, I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock. So you send the air purifier into your room at 9. So by the time you get there, the, the room air is pure, is even purer than before. So there, that's two examples of how a robotic air purifier would work. Air purifier is not a massive product in Australia, but uh, when it comes to doing things like that, like you're getting rid of cooking smells, freshening up your room, uh, it could reach the heights of popularity that it does across a lot of Asian countries. So Ecovacs looking into that market as well. They they said they've got a very exciting roadmap of products that are that are coming down the pipe, and that Australians will be one of the first markets in the world where these products will be released. Given that they've seen this huge interest by Australians to embrace 
robots to help clean their homes, something they're looking forward to doing. Well, uh, if you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Now, we all of us use public Wi-Fi and we assume it's safe, but guess what? It isn't. It isn't always safe. Without the right protection, your personal information could become public. We've seen plenty of vulnerabilities in the past where you, uh, attackers could intercept your data that's transmitted across what you thought was a safe Wi-Fi network. Well, personal information that is transmitted over the internet or stored on your connected devices, things like your passwords, credit card numbers, and much more, these could become vulnerable. All this personal information can be used towards committing identity theft, things like accessing your bank accounts, without your knowledge. That's a real issue. The team at Norton are dedicated to helping you keep all that valuable data safe. Norton Wi-Fi privacy can encrypt the personal information you send and receive on public Wi-Fi to help keep it private wherever you want to log on. Help protect your information with Norton Wi-Fi privacy. To find out more, visit au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. Our first product in the Tech Guide reviews this week is the Samsung Galaxy S9. I've actually just returned from the launch event. They had the launch event at the Opera House. We did a really interesting behind-the-scenes tour of the Opera House, and there were opportunities within that tour to use the amazing camera on board the S9 as well, including capturing slow motion, low-light pictures, uh, live focus images. It was really, really smartly done, and I've already reviewed the Galaxy S9. I've had it, been using it for uh, a couple of weeks now. Uh, It is in store this Friday, so if you haven't pre-ordered, there's still time, or you can wait till Friday and just hope there's uh, stock available for you. Uh, My information, and I'll be writing this story on Tech Guide as well, my information is that the Galaxy S9 Nine pre-orders uh, have double-digit increase on the pre-orders of what of the S8 a year ago. So more than ten percent uh, increase in pre-orders for the S9 over the S8 twelve months ago. The phone itself doesn't look a lot different from the outside. Design-wise, pretty similar. I think Samsung had that attitude, well, if it ain't broke, we're not going to fix it. Uh, We're going to do some more work inside the phone. And that part of the phone they have concentrated on is the camera. So all those ads you saw that said the camera reimagined, you better believe it. They've reimagined the camera. It is probably one of the best cameras you can get on a smartphone. The camera was actually voted recently, and we spoke about this as, uh, last week as well. The S9 camera, which is slightly better because it's got dual lens, it was actually judged by DxOMark as the world's best smartphone camera. You can capture amazing images, but the features they're focused on is the fact you can do uh, super slow motion. You can take amazing low-light photos as well. Uh, and you can create these amazing AR emojis. Uh, there are other Bixby Vision features as well, which we'll get to in a moment. But uh, in terms of the design, I mentioned not much different. They have repositioned the lens and the fingerprint reader on the back panel. But in terms of size and shape, virtually identical. I think the, the S9 is like point. 
3 of a millimetre thicker for some reason. Same size screens, 5.8 on the S9, 6.2 on the S9 Plus. Uh, I'm, an S, I'm, I'm a S9 Plus man. I like the bigger screen, and I like that dual-lens camera. Uh, but the design-wise, still got a fingerprint reader, just in a more logical position. Still has a headphone jack. Uh, which uh, Samsung made a bit of a point of this at the launch to say, well, there's kind of a veiled dig at Apple where they've still got a headphone jack, still got a fingerprint reader, and all those other features uh, are on board as well. Uh, so I thought, yeah, that was a little bit of a little bit of a go at Apple, even though Samsung are announcing features that Apple had first, including AR emoji. But you know what? Goes around, comes around. So uh, this is uh, something we've got to live with. But the S9 and S9 Plus, uh, Design-wise, fantastic. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So they're on a good thing. They're sticking to it. But it's the camera that really steals the show here. 12 megapixel resolution uh, as really the it's got the dual aperture technology now so the on the s9 and the and the s9 plus you can get now the dual aperture lens which operates like the human eye so it operates at f 2.4 f 1.5 and adjusts the aperture depending on the amount of light available so it can really suck in the light when it changes aperture to the 1.5 really fast and gets in that light uh, it's also got multi-frame noise reduction so what happens here because that's a problem in low light is that the picture, the camera's effort to try to suck as much light into it as possible causes a lot of grain in the image. So with the multi-frame noise reduction, it takes several frames and puts them together to reduce that grain. It was noticeably different, that reduction in grain for those images captured in low light. And we do capture a surprising amount of images in low light. We're at uh, various nightclubs and various places where there's not a lot of huge amount of light. All cameras take good photos in bright light, but in low light, the S9 definitely stands out. The other really fun feature is super slow-mo, and I've had a lot of fun practicing this. There is an example on my review that I shared it on my Tech Guide Instagram account, Tech Guide, uh, at Tech Guide AU, if you want to follow me. Uh, and you'll see these images, the, the slow-motion video of the water being poured into the glass. Really, uh, on other cameras, this isn't a new feature. It has been seen on other phones, but uh, it was a bit of a hit-or-miss affair, I felt, on other phones. What, what I like about the S9 and the S9 Plus is the fact that they do have an auto mode where you choose a part of the photo where you know something's going to come into that space and it's got auto motion detection to then start your start your slow motion. There is a manual mode as well where you choose when you want to start the slow-mo, but you really need to time it because you've only got 0.2 of a second to record at 960 frames per second and that's stretched out when played back at normal speed to six seconds. So you'll see some normal motion, then slow motion. You can keep hitting the slow motion, I think, up to 15 times in manual mode. So so you can see all these continual uh, periods of slow motion. So really fun feature, and, and the S9 really makes it easier to capture that great slow motion as well. Low-light photography, we've already mentioned. This is brilliant in how it can grab all that light in an image. There's a couple of examples on my, on my review on Tech Guide. The other feature which I hear some Apple fans saying, well, this is already seen on the iPhone X, and you're right. They've got uh, animated emojis, which were called Animojis on the iPhone X. Uh, Samsung have come up with a new face ID, new front-facing camera that can, use, that can be used to scan you and create it turn you into an animated emoji. They call it the AR emoji. And it's meant to be, and 
do judge for yourself how much they've got my likeness. I think they're not quite on the money, not far off, but I think it's meant to be like a caricature emoji of yourself rather than an exact copy. It's close enough, and I'll let you be the judge whether they've got me, they've captured me. You can see that on Tech Guide on my review. Uh, but this is another fun feature where you can scan yourself in. It'll give you create all these different gifts for different situations, feeling happy, sad, you're missing someone, you're angry, you're not happy with the weather, whatever. It puts them automatically in your in your camera roll, and you can share these on, on social media, to, in, on messages, turn them into gifts, turn them into wallpapers. It's up to you. Same thing you can do with uh, with the slow motion as well. Uh, food mode. I particularly singled this out because I thought it just absolutely really made pictures of food brilliant and how it does this it actually it creates this circle of focus in the middle of the photograph so you're looking your eyes are immediately drawn to that area of focus and then the rest of the photo sort of fades out of focus so it creates some real depth and just emphasizes all the colors in the image there's some examples on my review of those food images which are really cool the other new addition to the camera is Bixby Vision. Bixby, as we know, is the digital assistant that can respond to your commands, can look through files, knows things about your camera, about your photos you've taken. But Bixby Vision takes it to another level where there are modes with Bixby Vision which is activated when the camera's in auto mode. So you can, uh, for example, see translations in real time. For my review, I printed out three sentences in Spanish on a piece of paper, hovered the camera above them. It exactly translated them into English just by looking through the camera in Bixby Vision. So handy if you're travelling, if you're looking at signs, at menus, uh, and, and anything you need to translate, this can do it in front of your eyes in real time. Really impressive feature. The other cool Bixby Vision feature is the calorie counter. We had a lot of fun with this. We put the camera, hit Bixby Vision, selected food. It can see what the food is and tell you how many calories are in it. The example on Tech Guide is an avocado and and rather than giving us the calorie count for the whole avocado, it said that a slice of avocado is about 16 calories a slice. We did aim it at a donut, and it said it was about 250 calories, which we think is a bit unders. Uh, if all donuts were just 250 calories, I'd eat a lot more of them. Uh, but it might have underestimated the size of it, perhaps. Uh, so the camera... Undisputed, it is brilliant. It is one of the best cameras we've used on a smartphone, and we feel you'll find that as well. Samsung... A deliberate play here by Samsung because they know we've become more visual communicators rather than us calling, texting, doing all that. We're visual communicators nowadays, so they're really playing to the crowd with that feature. Uh, we On the audio side, that's another impressive improvement is the speakers. They've AKG-tuned AKG speakers. Loud, clear, also featuring Dolby Atmos. So watching Dolby Atmos videos, there are plenty on YouTube. You can hear the separation left and right. You hear the objects coming from behind you, around you, above you. It is remarkable that they can achieve this on speakers on a smartphone. Incredible. Battery-wise, you're going to get a 3,000 milliamp-hour battery on the S9, 3,500 on the S9 Plus. I was using the S9 Plus. Battery, not an issue easily through the day and well into the next day, uh, so you're not going to be left short. Dex has also been improved. It now has a new 
uh, new docking station where the phone slides in and you've still got access to your headphone jack and also the screen. So that screen can be used as a keyboard or a trackpad uh, with your monitor as well. Uh, not, not much we didn't like about the SAS9, S9 Plus, uh, the Infinity Display. If you're new to the Infinity Display, you'll find that maybe grabbing the edges, you can sometimes activate apps depending on how you grab the phone. I think it just takes some getting used to, uh, if you, especially if you're switching from another phone or an older Samsung device. Uh, you know, not, not, not a massive issue, but there were times where... We did accidentally open apps. Also in the camera mode, when we're trying to swipe across or try to increase the light level, uh, that's, that motion actually activated selfie mode a lot of the time, and that was a bit annoying when we were trying to line up a good picture. Uh, that dedicated Bixby button did get annoying as well because you'd accidentally hit it, and then you hear this voice saying, you need to configure Bixby, and then you don't mean it, and you can't uninstall that button. You can't reassign that button. It's always a Bixby button. So just keep carefully how you handle it. You'll be talking to Bixby a lot more often uh, if you do so accidentally. Now, look, if you've got an S8, I would be rushing out to buy the S9. You've already got a good phone that looks very much the same as the S9. But if you've got an S7, so a two-year-old phone, or you're switching from another another brand, then S9 would be a marvellous choice. Uh, our review is on Tech Guide for you to look at, see the rating we've given it. We really rate this phone one of the best. They've hit it out of the park with the S9, S9 Plus. Uh, it's a product that's going to do huge business when it's released in Australia later this week. But if you want to read our review before you commit, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Next up, we're talking 3D printers, and in particular, the Cocoon Create 3D Printer Touch. Now, what distinguishes this printer is that it's available from Aldi. And being available from Aldi normally means you can get it at a good price, and that is also the case here. Less than $500. In fact, it was 499 when I first received the product to review, but I've since been back into Aldi. It's now 449 So for that money, you're getting a really good printer that will kicks, that punches, I should say, well above its weight. Now, this was the first time I'd ever used a 3D printer, so I was a beginner. And I thought, what a good way to place to start. I'm not going to spend thousands of dollars on a 3D printer. I want a printer that's affordable and that hopefully can teach me 3D printing. Step me through it. Uh, and the Cocoon Create did a good job most of the time in doing that. Uh, but before I talk about the printer, we should just understand what 3D printing is. For those of you who don't understand it, it is the where you can create objects from files, so like a regular printer, you need a file, and that 3D file is then interpreted by the printer, and then layer by layer, this filament is laid a millimeter at a time and built up in stages. So the filament is fed into the extruder at high temperature. The extruder can get up to 240 degrees, so it melts the plastic and puts it in the position where it needs to be. Uh, bit by bit, it could take up to 12 hours if you've got a big, big 3D print to do. So that's sort of the basics of 3D printing. So with that in mind, the Cocoon Create 3D printer allows you plenty of scope to uh, print a lot of objects, and you'll see from my story that I did. I went to town and did, printed a lot of objects. 
just for fun. A lot of people say, well, what can you print? What's the point of having a 3D printer? Well, you can create a lot of decorative objects, desk organisers. Uh, I printed out a couple of footballs, I think an NFL football, some stars. You can print out jewellery if you want to. So you can be as creative as you want. Plenty of files to download off the internet uh, and tr- trans, uh, to, to turn them into G-code. G- there is a, a, a Cura, C-U-R-A, a Cura uh, software that that's comes free on the SD card that can help you then convert files, plenty of them on the internet to find, convert it to G-code, put it on the SD card, away you go. You can also connect the computer to your, to, to the printer to your computer, but works just as well when it's connected when there's just the SD card powering it. Uh, so good to go. Now out of the box, decent sized box, you need to put together the printer. So there's a bed and a base with a touchscreen on the front. And there's also a tower frame. So this is the the gantry that goes above the bed that has the extruder that moves back and forth and up and down. So you need it takes up probably about the same space as a regular printer. It just just needs a bit of height because it does have to move up, uh, up and down to pr- like we we were printing objects that are about twenty centimeters tall at one point. So you do need a bit of room to move for the tower frame to do its magic. Uh, it's all c- contained pretty well. Really easy to connect. We you know A goes to connects to A, B connects to B. Really simple. Uh, there were some parts of the setup that I needed to look up on YouTube because the instructions weren't that clear. Like I-, I didn't quite understand how to level the bed. Like you need to have a level bed for it to do the. That's where it lays the print down. Uh, there are screws on each corner where you you sort of tighten and loosen to bring up the different corners. It sort of goes to each corner. You're given a card that you slide under the extruder once it's just if it just fits under there it's the right height so that took a little bit of adjusting also inserting the filament so that's the plastic material that comes from a loop on the top of the printer where you put it on top of the printer and it goes into the extruder and is then melted and then put into uh, that, that becomes the model that becomes the object that you're printing the, it, it, I did have some difficulty when I changed filament I needed to put different filament and it just wasn't working I actually had to ring up a helpline and they talked me through it I had to actually take apart the extruder and the fan there turned out there was a little bit of uh, filament stuck in the extruder I had to get a pair of tweezers, pull it out, but then once I put it together, I was good as gold. I just put the new filament in, and I was printing away to my heart's content. So the objects I printed, I printed uh, some dice, some stars, uh, a 2D rocket, a 3D rocket, which was really cool because it had to be printed in three different time, three different objects that came together to form the rocket. Really cool. There's a picture of that on Tech Guide. I printed out an NFL football, and I'm in the process of printing out an Eiffel Tower as well, which is really impressive. So the the printer really served a lot of purposes because in, in the setup it sort of taught me how 3D printing works. It stepped me through the the the, the setup and those early instructions pretty good. I think the setup instructions could be slightly better because you are talking, this is sort of product a beginner would buy, so you'd think they'd really assume you know nothing and give you slightly better instructions. I got through it with the help of YouTube and a phone call. I did get through it, but uh, I'm not sure if everyone's a beginner like me. It does take a little bit of time to understand it to get it working, but at this price, I think it is a great new world to get into. I'm hooked. Uh, it's under 500, 449 bucks from Aldi. I've entered a whole new world here where I'm looking constantly on the internet, trying to find files that I want to that I want to uh, to create with the 3D printer. All these various objects you can do. I'm really starting to learn more and appreciate 
that 3D printing has come a long way. Years ago, it was a very expensive hobby, if you like. Now, it's something that you can pick up for less than 500 bucks, less than 450 as a matter of fact, now. You want to read our complete review of the Cocoon Create 3D Printer Touch, which is available from Aldi? You can check that out at techguide.com.au. Right, our last review for this week is the Acer Spin 5. This is a convertible laptop. I'm not talking about cars here. Convertible is a product that can be a laptop one minute, can be a tablet the next, and everything else in between. You can put it in tent mode if you want to watch stuff. You can do other various positions. I use it mainly as a laptop. Uh, but it is one of those products that comes in 13 and 15-inch models. We use the 13.3-inch for our review. Uh, it is powered by the latest 8th-gen Intel core processor it's got an nvidia graphics card and design wise it looks really nice i think uh, there's a 360 degree hinge which allows it to be very versatile so it can be a laptop can be set up in tent mode if you want to watch a movie or you can maybe angle the screen put the keyboard down facing the desk and tilt the screen right back if you're on a if you're on a plane or in a, on a desk or something so you can easily watch it uh, so anyone who sort of wants that versatility, this is not a bad product to get. So can go from a laptop to a tablet really quickly. Uh, you can, if you want to, if you want to, uh, get it up into the, the tent mode was sort of the mode where you just tilt the screen backwards and the, the, the keys backwards so that it, it looks like a tent, like it's sitting in it, sort of supporting itself. That was, that's a good feature to use. Say if you're on a plane, you want to put it on your little table and watch your movies or TV shows, whatever you want to do. That was really handy. Downside of, uh, the, the, they use some premium materials here. You're talking brushed metal, so it's mainly a metal design. The downside of having all that premium material is that it's heavy. It weighs 1.6 kilos. And this is supposed to be like an ultrabook-sized slim laptop, but it is it is pretty hefty, 1.6 kilos. Well, that's the price you pay when you're using metal and all these premium materials. Uh, the screen, uh, multi-touch display, really impressive in HD. So your, your pictures, web pages, videos look fantastic. Also sounds great too. The True Harmony Dolby Audio, the speakers, was a knockout. Really high level of quality to add to your movies and to your music as well. That was really cool. Keyboard, really comfortable to type on. Really quiet travel, so it doesn't make a lot of noise. A slightly sunken keyboard. Uh, it's got a trackpad as well. Pretty large in the top left corner. Though, is a fingerprint reader, which uh, doesn't really get in the way too much. It's another great security feature, of course. Uh, so that, that's, uh, that's another nice feature too. Uh, the other thing about it too is it gets a little bit hot and I found that having it in my lap uh, I could feel the heat and even having it in your hand you sort of felt if you're using a tablet mode it was a bit warm and being heavy having it in tablet mode a lot if you especially if you're using one hand to read a book or browse the web your arm got tired my arm it's 1.6 kilos so my arm did get a little bit tired so that's a little bit of a downside that it gets a bit hot it is a bit heavy but apart from that, it looked really great. The screen, I thought, may have had smaller bezels. It was, I wear the 13-inch model, had quite a large chin and really wide bezels. Wouldn't it be great, I thought, to have thinner bezels so that you got, that's still got 13-inch laptop, but it's a much smaller chassis. Or similarly, expand the bevels on this current size device and you'll have a 15, 16-inch screen if you can get those bezels down really thin. They're, uh, they're quite fat on the, uh, on the, around the Acer Spin 5 display. 
Uh, we preferred laptop mode. That's what we use most of all. Uh, but again, the, the tent, tent mode was pretty cool. We want to catch up with Netflix and things like that as well. Now, connectivity, a real strong point here. You got three USB ports, one USB, two USB 2, and also a HDMI port. There's also an USB-C port. So there are actually four USB ports all up. Uh, really cool. On the security side, we've already mentioned the fingerprint reader. Uh, doesn't get in the way too badly. Now, in terms of performance, this is a pretty gutsy laptop. Can easily handle games. Not as good as a dedicated gaming PC, but it can also handle all your decent tasks like editing video, editing pictures. Can handle that. Not a drama. Uh, the Acer Spin 5 that full review, so it's it's that product. They call it a convertible because it'll be a laptop. You can tilt it up, uh, you can turn it on itself, and it can hold it in your hand like a tablet, uh, or have tent mode, all these various viewing modes as well. So it's a decent convertible, really slick design. Does get a little hot though. Large bezels. Battery could have been a bit better, I thought too. Not the worst we've seen, but not the best we've seen. So it's kind of in between. Good, not great. Uh, so we found sort of mid to late afternoon we needed to charge it up again. Uh, uh, and hadn't been going the whole day. So, uh, look, not a bad product. If you want to read our full review, you can see the rating we've given it and all the pros and cons that we found. If you want to read that f- complete review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Well, you already know Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in home security and creator of the world's first 100% wire-free, weatherproof HD security camera. Well, now you can get to know the new Arlo Pro 2 with even more features including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, pets, or whoever's at your front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro is a lot more responsive and has quick charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision and live on demand streaming and yes it is still 100% wire free and weatherproof so you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up so you can check in on your home or business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet or computer. Knowing what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection, you can never miss a moment with free cloud recording for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more info. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. Every angle covered. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Well, a couple of questions we're going to get through quickly on the help desk. One is wireless headphones. We had a reader asking, uh, she's a little confused, wanted to buy husband a pair of uh, wireless uh, noise-cancelling headphones, was not quite sure. She said she'd been looking at the Bose QC35s, which are probably top of the line, would probably be my pick. But there are some other brands that are close by. I'd rate the Sony WH-1000XM2 wireless noise-canceling headphones, as are the Bose QC35s, as being the Bose equal. Both cost about the same price, 499 But uh, Bose, great choice, but there are others. The Sony one, I think, worth a listen as well. I think she mentioned a Sennheiser pair, but uh, in my mind, it's a, it's a toss-up between the Bose QC35s and the Sony WH-1000XM2, which we have also reviewed. Both of those headphones, the Bose and the Sony, we have reviewed on Tech Guide. The other question we had was from a reader asking why they weren't getting surround sound when they 
connected their laptop to their television. Well, the problem, I think, there is the fact that you've connected that uh, laptop to your TV with a USB cable. There's your problem right there. I don't think it can it can manage surround sound through a USB connection. But in my mind, I think the best way to connect a laptop to your TV, if you want to enjoy the content of your laptop on your TV, is with a HDMI cable. If your laptop doesn't have a HDMI out port, then I'm afraid you're out of luck. But all the latest, including the Asus Spin 5 that we reviewed uh, earlier in the show, that does HDMI out. So if there is some content you want to watch on a bigger screen like your TV, you can use HDMI out. That's a much better option. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that is the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen, for this week. You can read about everything, of course, that we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, send us a voice bite with the hashtag techguide. We'll play those on the show. You can also email us, info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.